You're listening to Process with Broads and D-Ray. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to this episode of Processed. And last episode, we were discussing this team, this roster, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and we did not get time to finish everyone. So there's a lot to dive into. The bench players, Tobias Harris, Josh Richardson, Shake Milton. We will discuss it all. But first, of course, D-Ray, how are you today? Doing great, man. A little hot. A little hot. It's now, a little hot are you uh, are you going AC or you rocking the fans? I got the fan on right now, and it's uh, it ain't it ain't getting it done. It ain't getting it done. I got my hold up, hold up, hold up. Got my water right here. You okay, I mean? got to so, stay hydrated. Exactly, exactly. Now you so can I, see I here. Yeah, you can see here. I've I have this right, and you would think, oh, you keep refilling it, you keep drinking it. This has been here for I don't know seven, eight days, and I told myself <laughs> I drink two a day. It just sits here, and and the problem is I keep refilling this, which is the coffee cup, <laughs> and I don't drink the water. So I that's tried why you that. got the energy. That's why you got the energy. Yeah, I tried it. But back to the AC thing, real quick, you know. It's oh, funny yeah. because you know, I'm, I'm moving into my own house and I'm thinking, oh, wow, we're definitely going to be opening the windows over the AC. But <laughs> when you live with your parents, you get to jack that thing down to 65 and not worry about it. Now I'm going to start feeling the pain and understanding what the hell they were talking about. <laughs> you walk in the crib. Why, why is the air on? Why is the air on? <laughs> if you're hot, go run. The wind will move faster. Tell me. <laughs> you know how there's always those jokes where dads know. Like as soon as you walk in, it's as if the dad understands it's one degree off the second he walks into the house. Wakes up out of his sleep. Like, <laughs> Who turned it somebody down? Somebody just touched the thermostat. Yeah. Somebody just touched it. <laughs> oh, that is God. incredible. Well, let's talk about some basketball today. Hell yeah. Did you see the pictures of Ben Simmons? Yes. What'd you think? The, su- the Supers took? What'd you think? Yeah, man. He looks jacked. And, and I, I think what I like about it the most is if you look at those exercises he was doing, the split squats and the um the bench uh, all the bench press I was like he looks mobile he looks mobile you couldn't do those things with an injured back you know what I mean so now shame on me because I guess I'm so brainwashed and I forgot all about the back injury when I saw those pictures for a few seconds mm-hmm. wow that is totally different now I have a totally different opinion on it and now what I'm super what stoked I, I saw the pictures and I was just pumped about basketball I was just so excited to see Ben Simmons, right? He had the headband on, which I thought was sick. The back injury just went right over my head. I didn't even think about it. I didn't even process the back injury at all. I mean, shame on me, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm about to say. I, I mean, but I get it. I get it. It was like, I mean, you you see the, the, the Bruce Leroy headband, you know what I mean? You saw the cutoff shirt. So it's like, all right, you don't look at this. At first, it's like, what the hell? You know what I mean? It's just, it's him. It's in the gym. He looks ready. But like I said, I'm looking at the motions he's doing like, you couldn't do any of these. Like those bench press with that much weight, if you got a back injury, you're going to feel that. You know what I mean? Split squats. You can't get up with a back injury. So I was excited. I'm like, yo, he looks healthy more than anything. Like that's the word I'm going with. Healthy. But that's and the that's- right way to look at it. And I'm pissed at myself that I didn't <laughs> even do that. I mean, I'm nah, disappointed. Bro. As long as you got excited. If somebody oh, saw them Jones and didn't look and didn't look forward to the season, it's like, oh, you in the wrong place, bro. Now, how do you feel about that headband rock? Because 
that is insane. And I'm pretty sure the league said that you're not allowed to rock headbands like that when Jimmy Butler was here and they were rocking those type of headbands. Dude, talk about swag. Am I right? <laughs> I love the Bruce Leroy headband. I love it with the ties. They look like they about to just get off the court and go do Kung Fu. I'm for it. I'm definitely for it. Now, uh, I, why do I feel like you own one? Oh, I dude, right next to me. I, might, <laughs> uh, uh, I have a bag here, and it's just... <laughs> It's funny. This is this is unplanned. Now they're they're just a, a set of bandanas. I mean, you name the color here, and I got them. Uh, where's the other ones? Some of them might actually be in the wash. Yeah, they're not all in here, but I just got you know um, ten different colors, and they're different headbands. They're bandanas, but I rock them that way. You know what I mean? <laughs> and when I'm balling, I rock them as well. So I'm a fan. Now, I'm if you were at practice, right? Everyone's waiting for you. Somehow you're the, you're tying your shoe. Everyone's waiting for you to come out, and you came out on that Villanova court in that headband. Are people going? Yeah, what the hell is D-Ray wearing? Or are they dapping you up or getting you pumped up about rocking something sick? So you know how it goes. Your boys would dap you up, and they're like, yeah, yeah, you got it. But the moment coach asks what the hell is going on, everybody's going to step back. Everybody's going to step back. There is no way that anybody's dealing with that. He would he would lose his shit if somebody came out with that head. A headband, period, but especially that one. Now, why? Why? No, nah, it's just it's, it's not the way it goes. It's such a distraction. It's such a distraction. See, I think that that's an energy boost. See, if I'm on a team, ah, <laughs> uh, here comes Broats, and out of nowhere, I come out in that headband. I think the energy in practice has now been lifted because I wore that headband. So I might have to have a talk with Coach Wright. I mean, what? So you can't wear anything? No, no, no. I ain't going to say that. I ain't going to say that. You got the arm sleeves and all that that the trainers, you know, what's the name? But headbands and, 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 um, wristbands and stuff like that like we're back in the the early 2000s no i'm what taking I back imagine, dude. i'm taking <laughs> back i imagine right with that headband is like while somebody's doing suicides to see the back of it like going and like just flailing in the back i would lose my sh- something about that image like let's say you beat the team and the team that lost they got to run and you're on the sidelines clap and you see that one guy his headband is like flailing off i would i would cry it's a distraction I'm, I'm just lost for words almost, and that's not a good thing when you're recording a show. I mean, I don't understand how that's a distraction. I think that that is swag. You should be allowed to have personality. I'm seriously disgusted, and I might write a strongly worded email over to Coach. Maybe I'll slide into his DMs. Change the culture over there. Coach, you're not doing good enough. That's what I'm going to say. Good luck with that. <laughs> the damn army. Yeah. Oh, I can only imagine. Now, before we get into the conversation, I'm just so intrigued. When it comes to suicides, you, were you a first place guy, last place, middle of the pack? How did you approach the suicides? Did I was you strategically a go, all right, listen, if I sit here, I won't get yelled at, but I can still do oh. the third set okay? Nah, nah, I was a middle of the pack guy. I wasn't the fastest in college at all. Uh, I remember like Dante was very fast. Like he was like scary fast. Uh, Josh was another fast guy. James Bell was fast when he was there. For me, it wasn't until I got overseas that I started being first and I messed up because what happened is he would have the big guys run with the big guys and he would give us a couple more seconds. And then once he saw how fast I was, he's like, oh, yeah, no, you're running with the guards. <laughs> you're running with the guards now. Yeah. Oh, you screwed up big it's a, time. It's but a how late would you bloomer. Know? How would you know? Huh? You, how would what you, you know that that would happen? Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm sitting there. Hey, you know what? You you do what you can. You push yourself. But once he saw that, he was like, oh, big guy. That's all he'll call me. Big guy. Come here. Big guy. 
you know, you, you run with guards now. Yeah, said, see, oh, with you. me, by the end of my career, I guess I was just so checked out that, yeah, I'll be in last. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. I guess the that's start- kind of, oh, yeah, I was like, oh. We all call them the start stops? Oh, uh, no, we call them suicides. It- you just go to the okay, blue okay. line back, red line back, blue line back, far goal line back. I mean, there's so many different <laughs> variations of it, but uh, at least, though, I did not get beat by the goalies. I did have a teammate that got beat by the goalies, and that's how you know you're really not trying. You I know? was about to say, that was always, it was always that one guy that if you lose to him, it's like, Bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So by <laughs> the end of my up. career, there was a time where I was close. I wasn't the guy, but I was close. And then I thought to myself, you know, maybe that's saying something. Maybe it's time, <laughs> but I'm all right with it. All right, basketball, basketball. It looks like it is possible that the league might condense their season next year. And this is just absurd. So right now, they are trying to talk about December 1st starting next year. And it looks like there was a little bit of a surprise by the union. So I wouldn't be shocked if they try and push that back and and they fight that December 1st date. But what is crazy is they are still trying to get 82 games in next year, but finishing normal time as if they'll finish around May, June, and that would lead to more back-to-backs. That would lead to four four games in five nights. And we are already talking about every year a league that they rest their players, that people do load management. I mean, I don't understand how this would work at all. I think either they're going to start penalizing people for load management um, or they're going to have a strike on their hands. You know what I mean? I don't see how... Oh, both. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe maybe they penalize people for local management, and then it's like because there's no way in hell the players are going for that. I'm sorry. At the end of the day, it's like four or five games a week consistently. It's one thing to have that. All right, we got a hard week coming up. We got a hard stretch coming up. Oh, this month is a little more difficult than the last. But for that to be the norm, there's no way in hell them players are going for that. That'd be stupid of them to do that, and because you're gonna have a strike next thing you got another lockout. Like why? After all of this, why do that? That's just it's ridiculous. No, I would have to agree, and and it just it seems like an odd thing to even come up with. Like it, this isn't confirmed. It's not as if they're moving forward with this, and the NBA is pushing hard, kind of like the MLB and the union situation. Yeah. It, it's not that way. It's just something that's on the table and discussed. But it it seems so silly. It's almost as if I feel Adam Silver is too smart, and the NBA as a league is is too smart to even have this on the table as an option because it doesn't seem realistic at all. At all. At all, bro. Like, think about it. Like, you mean you played at the college level, you know how tiring that was. So the pros is just that much more worse. Yeah, they don't practice like that, but they have to get up for those games. And you're talking about 82 games being condensed down that much. It's, it's foolish. I think it's time for them to shorten up the season. Yeah, experiment this year. We all we all do think that, and and the problem is it creates too much money. I mean, you know, with yeah. eighty two games, it's about that contract with the TV networks, and that's where it's all about. Now, if you cut it back to sixty five games, sure, you mm. can say that tickets will be more expensive because there's less games to go to and and things like that. But then you're getting less sponsorship ads. You're losing out on ads on TV. You're losing out on those games that are on these regional networks. I mean, there's just no way to do it because they make too much money. I, I I think everyone would agree that they don't need that many games in a regular season, but what talks? Money talks, and there's no yeah. way to really stop it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a hell of a machine. It's a hell of a machine, but I just, for me, it's like the, you look at the Kawhis of the world. Like, he's shown that it worked. 
the, Spur the Spurs have shown time and time again that it works. You know what I mean? Like load management is real. So instead of putting players in that position to make that decision themselves, like, like I said, after they won that championship last year, nobody could say anything about load management. They were giving Kawhi shit all season. They win. And now it's like, I mean, can you really argue with this? The, if the proof is in the pudding. He did it when he was with the Spurs, when he was surrounded by players that did it. Now he's doing it on his own another team, and they go and win a championship. Like, what does it tell you? So instead of putting that pressure on the players to make that decision, why not put the pressure on the league to make them just never even think about it? Because then you get the most out of them. I just – I think you're right. It's economics. The, the problem is much bigger than just wanting the players to be good, but they got to do something, bro. Yeah, when you see it work – that's the problem. It works. Yes. It works. It it yes. results in a championship. So to think that the league even had something maybe in their mind, even if it was the ninth option on the table, to think that, oh, yeah, four games and five nights and way more back-to-backs, that's phenomenal. That would be great. I mean, hey, listen, if it's the ninth option and we get there, all right, we'll move forward with it. Uh, there's no way. I mean, there's just literally no way that this is out there. And, and there is one thing that I do love about the NBA compared to other leagues, and we are seeing a nightmare. And I mean nightmare scenario between baseball and the union right now. It's it's so embarrassing and pathetic. It's hard to even wrap my head around it. But when you see Adam Silver and you see the way that he approaches the union and he talks to Chris Paul and it's more of a we thing. They sit down together. All right, what are we going to do to make this better? What are we going to do to to move forward and be on the same page compared to the alternative of the the players hate the owners, they despise the union. I mean, the you know the owners despise the union and the union hates the owners. Why does it have to be that way? I, I love the fact that the NBA's culture is is about us. It's we. We're one. It's not two parties fighting to get their product out there. I think he he learned that from, you know, uh, David Stern. At the end of the day, it's like David Stern, because of where he was when the league was being built up, because people forget that, like, in the 60s, in the 60s, it was laughable. In the 70s, they were still kind of building. You know what I mean? It, actually, in the 60s, it didn't exist. Let me stop. In the 70s, they were still kind of building. In the 80s, they were still kind of building. And it wasn't until David Stern said, listen, these are the players. They're the most important thing. Figure out how to work with them to get them to a point where, like you said, it's a more of a we thing because at the end of the day, nothing happens without them. You heard Michael Jordan griping about it in the last dance. Like the players are the most important. And it's just any league that doesn't listen to the players. Do you listen to them on everything? Hell no. Same way a coach wouldn't listen to us on everything we bring to the table. But you got to give something. You know what I mean? The idea of what's going on with the MLB. That's just it's stupid. It's stupid. The players are the most important thing because without them and nothing happens. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. But some people would argue that, well, I, I really don't even want to get down that baseball hole. But the other side of that argument is, hey, without the owners making that much money, there's no baseball players getting paid that much money either. But I, I'm not the owners going to get paid. Right. I, listen, I'm not going down that road. <laughs> yeah. in, in this scenario with baseball, both sides are being extremely pathetic. One won't move. The other won't move. During a pandemic when there's no other sports on, you both got to give some. I mean, it's just exactly. that simple, right? But exactly. I, I'll lose my mind, D-Ray. I've been screaming and going crazy about the MLB and the MLB union for the last seven days on 97.3 ESPN. I mean, I literally... My blood's going to boil. Just look at me. Look at me right now. See what you did to me? You did this. You did this. Actually, it's I right did. behind you. Yeah, I'm about I, to say it's right behind you. I can't. I can't not. I think I brought it up, huh? 
<laughs> I think I think that was me. All right. Anyway, you did this. Look at the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> it was you. Right, let's talk. Let's talk Sixers. Though. Let's let's get into their roster. It's some of the pieces we did not get to discuss on last episode. And let's start mm-hmm. with Tobias Harris because when people discuss this team, they talk yeah. about Ben Simmons. They talk about Joel Embiid. They talk about how awful the fit is about Horford. They rip rep Brown the pieces. Then some people might get into the, well, Elton Brand, he's the one that put this team together. You know who never really gets talked about that much? It, it's Tobias. Now, sometimes the contract is mentioned. Oh, he's not worth this much. But his play isn't really talked about. What he does on the court isn't being talked about. And, and what... What does he need to do? Or we'll start here. Why do you think that is? I think it is because he's so solid. He's so solid. He's not a loud player. I mean, the guy averages, it's either 19 or 20 points. You know what you're going to get out of him. You know what I mean? He's right there. When the season ended, he was the second highest scorer on the team. So he's just such a solid guy. You know what you're going to get on day in and day out. And we talked about that last year when they were like, you know, if it comes down to him or Jimmy Butler, and people were saying, yes, Jimmy Butler has the attitude, but Tobias Harris, you know, between 15 and 20 points a night, you know you're going to get it. He's going to give you more than five rebounds. He's going to run the floor. He's going to do his thing. Like, he's so, dare I say, boring in the sense of, like, you know, no, 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 not, not, seriously, like, I mean, from a no, personality you're not wrong, standpoint. Though. You're not, his, exactly. game, his game doesn't pop it's just yeah it's just there but that and that's when the contract comes in though it's oh you paid a hundred whatever million dollars for someone who's just boring it doesn't pop mm-hmm. but to me my, my attitude is this if it's about winning people who are looking at winning they look at tobias harris and they like him if you're about entertainment maybe not is he gonna throw down crazy dunks no is he gonna windmill and transition no is he gonna stop and pull up for a three and then you know do some wild crowd celebration Hell no, probably not. It's not his personality. But winning, you need that guy. You need that guy who's that consistent. You need that guy that, all right, when Joel's kind of bullshitting or Ben Simmons isn't being aggressive, I know Tobias is going to give me between 15 and 20 points. Uh, If the the Sixers want to win a championship this year, if Tobias Mm -hmm. Harris gave you what he has given you so far this year, Mm -hmm. do you think it's enough? Or do you think he needs to take a step up? I mean, look, if Ben and Joel play at the top of their game, if Tobias is giving you 18 points, six rebounds, and three assists, sure, I, I think you can do that. But overall, I would say that I feel, and I'm a Tobias Harris fan, I think keeping him was fine. I'm under the impression that if Ben and Joel are the players we expect them to be, you can totally overpay for a Tobias Harris and be fine. The problem is the Al Horford contract, that contract would open up other pieces to help you. So I'm okay with the Tobias Harris thing, but I still think though that he needs to, and it doesn't have to be this major jump. He needs to take a a, a step in the right direction. And I, I just feel he is what he is at his age. Like, I don't look at him and go, he's going to develop into much more. This is what he is. You got what you got. You got what you got at this point. You saw what he did with the Clippers. Like, he is, like you said, thank you. That's the best way to put it. He is who he is, but that's fine. On a team that has so much fluctuation and so many variables. And we talk about Shake Milton, you know, from time to time and how good he could be. We talk about Ben Simmons and how good he could be and what he has to do and all of that. It's like with so many variables, you don't need another one. You need a guy that, like you said, 18 points, six rebounds, three assists, but you can count that. You know what I mean? Like at the start of the game, count that shit. And not to mention, he's one of the guys that stretches the floor. 
I understand he has a nice little pull-up game. Sometimes he works inside the arc, but like he can shoot a three and consistently make it. I just I get it from an entertainment standpoint, not the favorite guy at all. That's why you got Joel out there doing this and you know and doing all his shit and blah 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 and Ben Simmons yelling. From an entertainment standpoint, he's not the guy. But a consistent standpoint, you don't want without him. You don't. I I think he needs to take it up just a little bit, like you said. Maybe that 22, 23 points, you know, maybe six rebounds turns to eight. You know what I mean? Maybe he's he get a couple more steals, get in the passing lanes. But for him to ask him to turn into, I don't know, Clay or LeBron, it's like it's not going to happen. He is who he is. We have a segment on 97.3 called Ask Mike and Broads. And we actually had a question about Tobias. And, and the question was, do you guys think that he needs more dog? And I think the answer is yes, but I don't think that you're going to get that. And I don't think that that's necessarily a, a – I mean, is it a bad thing? Sure. I mean, I guess you could say that's a bad thing that you won't get the dog, but I don't think that it is insanely necessary to have a Jimmy Butler-type dog attitude if you're Tobias because I always go back to this. People love it. I think me and you love the Jimmy Butler dog in him, but that dog in Jimmy Butler – has not won him NBA title. So it's not as if that is extremely necessary. Do I think he needs more dog? Yes, but I don't think that it is the difference in winning the title or not. The winning the title aspect goes on the two guys, Ben Simmons and Joel. Yeah, and it doesn't, this is my attitude with that 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 whole dog shit. You know what I mean? I, I feel like you understand it. You know what I mean? I, I think anybody play hockey understand it because y'all got a different, y'all a different pedigree. Y'all have to have a different mindset. But for me, people who just watch basketball and want that dog shit, they, they talk about somebody needs to be that dog. Who And, they, and then they want to bring up how this team has, that team has it. Who's the dog on Golden State Warriors? I mean, I guess you could say Draymond Green. Is Draymond Green anywhere close to being the best player? No. Exactly. So it's like, all right, you go and get him, but that ain't got to be the guy. Like, why does it, it seem, I get it, because Kobe and, and Jordan were who they were. Like, you feel like the guy has to be that dog. Maybe that dog is in several people. Maybe that dog is kind of spread up. But, like, look what they did without that. Or if you want to say Draymond Green, because to me it's kind of, it's like I get it, but I don't really call Draymond Green a dog. I respect his hustle, but for me it's like, just because you loud don't make you a dog. You know what I mean? I think his work ethic makes him a bit of a horse. Like, he's that workhorse. He's that one that, you know, that Dennis Rodman type character. You know that he's going to lay it all out there. But personally, I don't think Draymond Green's a dog. And you see what they just did. So that whole idea of, oh, you need that dog mentality. Like, yeah, would it be great? Do Philly fans want to see it? Because we're Philly fans? Hell yeah. But I don't think it's necessary. Well, production is key, right? So I would say that a lot of people enjoy Matisse Thibel. And uh, mm -hmm. look, he does not have dog in him. He's the nicest kid. He's, He's got nice a good kid. smile. He's got a relatable personality, right? I mean, He's the mayor. Goofy. Yeah, he, he's not a dog, but people love his game because he gets a steal here and his production is there on the defensive side of the ball. So why is it that Tobias needs more dog, but someone like Matisse who takes pride in his D, who is insanely talented with his hands, quick hands, getting deflections, getting steals, he doesn't need more dog. I mean, it just comes down to actually being able to, to be a factor on the court. And Tobias Harris is a factor on the court. There is one thing, though, that does stand out to me with Tobias. And, and I'm just I'm going off the top of my head because I looked up the stats on, on Friday or the last show or whatever when I was talking about Tobias last. He mm -hmm. shot around 41% from three in L.A. with the Clippers. And he's shooting around 36, 37 here in Philly. And 
You know, that might not sound like a lot, but that is a big-time difference. So why? Is it because the spacing on the floor is whack when there's Joel Embiid, or obviously they're the same people, Joel, Al Horford, and Ben Simmons, and Tobias is playing the three? Is that a reason? I think it's because in the, uh, on the Clippers, his, his shots were a little more spot up. His shots were a little more spot up. They were a little more orchestrated. The Clippers had a different scheme. And quite frankly, they got him the ball a little bit more. It's like he does what he does without having the ball in his hands a shit ton. Or I'm not going to say being looked for, because obviously you don't get 19 points a game without being looked for. But he gets his shots off of like the ball is just scrambling things. It's just let's, let's call it what the fuck it is. The Sixers don't have everything figured out. That, that affects shooters. At the end of the day, shooters shoot from rhythm. Any great shooter shoots from rhythm. Part of being in rhythm is knowing when you're going to get your shots. It's hard as hell to be a consistent great. That's what makes Steph so crazy because they don't necessarily need rhythm or his shots don't have to be orchestrated for him to shoot that high of a clip. But most guys who shoot that good from three, they know when in the game. Like Chris. Everybody loves Chris Jenkins. Chris knew when he was getting certain shots. It was certain plays he knew that the ball was either going to somebody else or me. It was certain times of the game where he knew he was able to get off more. Shooters, great shooters, shoot great when they know they're getting shots, not when it's like a guessing game or I got to make something happen here. When did you know you were getting shots? Shit. <laughs> Offenses, I said when I went and got it off the glass. Let's go. <laughs> went, or pick and roll or mean pick and roll. You know I wish I mean? you were still and, playing, dude. I'd be oh, oh man. Oh man. I'd be I'd be your number one fan in the stands going stay crazy. Stay tuned, man. Stay tuned. I'm, I'm trying to get back. I'm trying to get back. That's another thing. Whoa, too, whoa, whoa, I, whoa, whoa. You can't what? just go over that statement. What do you mean you're trying what? to get back? You, I'm trying to get back. Yeah. I'm trying to get back. Yeah, man. You I'm didn't I, you tell know, me you this. Know it. Breaking oh, news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I was I was out there running yesterday. I worked out my army museum. I'm, I'm trying to get back, man. I missed the game. I missed the yeah, game. What's the first step in getting back though? Like, what what's your mind? Is that is this another overseas trip or? Nah. Okay, nah, I, man. We got this. I got I got to be uh, here. Well, for listen, this shit. I, I, listen <laughs> we, that's the power of Zoom. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. I think we scheduling these like two in the morning. Like you're about to go to bed. You know and I'm what? like listen, wide awake. I'm such a good teammate that I'll be the one at 2 a.m. Even if it's 8 p.m. <laughs> wherever you are, I'll take one for the team. You kidding me? You don't think I do that? <laughs> my man, my man, I appreciate you. Yeah, but no, man, I, I, I want to get back. I want to get back. I would love to jump in the G League. You know what I mean? Try uh, the coffee, exactly. Yeah, the coffee That's will why. keep me up, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's not really you. I just like I'm, I need a reason to drink coffee at one a.m. That's all. It has nothing to do with this. I'm for it. I'm for it. But like I said, I, I want to get back. But that's another thing I do want to talk about with uh, with uh, damn, I forgot his name. Tobias Harris, the pick and roll game, the pick and roll game. Am I crazy for thinking he had more pick and roll opportunities uh, in LA than he does here? I think that that's probably a realistic thing to say. Yeah, I mean, the mm-hmm. Sixers just don't run a lot of pick and roll in general. It's just something that Brett Brown does not elect to do. And there is a couple things that I do question with Brett Brown. We both know that we enjoy him, and and we're not one of the scream fire get rid of him. He's a clown guy, but um. You know, one of the knocks that I do have on Brett is the lack of pick and roll in a league where the the entire offensive scheme, for the most part, is pick and roll or or just use a pick to get the mismatch that you want. The use of the pick and roll here in Philly is something that I, I don't really, uh, you know, I don't enjoy the lack of pick and roll. And why do you think that is? Well, I, I wonder if it starts with, Ben Simmons and his inability to shoot that if you run a pick and roll with your point guard, what's the team going to do? They're going to back up and and pretty much go with Joel Embiid and that leaves Ben Simmons wide open in a spot where he's not going to shoot the ball. 
Mm-hmm. I was about to say the same thing. I think it's really between him and Joel. People talk about the lack of pick and roll in Philly. And when I looked at it, I said, Joel, number one, it's a conditioning problem. Whoever's running pick and roll, they have to be able to get out there fast and get back fast and constantly, not constantly do it, but or a pick and pop too. I mean, any, anything. Yeah. I, I mean, they do run pick and pops with they do uh, run pick and pops Al, with Al Horford as well because mm-hmm. they, you know what, in Boston that was a killer. The difference was it wasn't always for three. There was that mid range elbow, elbow jumper. jumper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I, I would love to see them run a pick and roll where Ben Simmons is setting the pick with a Tobias or oh, shit. Ben Simmons is setting the pick with a Joel. Like, it's crazy as that sounds, but they have the height and the skill to be able to do that. But I think that's another reason that Tobias doesn't get, you know, his shots off in certain positions. Because it's like, he's comfortable with those shots. He's comfortable with the pick and pop. Being the screener as well. And it's just, it's so many different things with Philly. We could go on forever about him, but I just feel like his percentage dropped because they don't know what they're doing enough for him to consistently know when and where he's getting his shots from. No, that's, that's, that's a reasonable point. It, it's mm-hmm. filled with logic, and it, and it definitely makes sense on a, a reason why this could be. Now, the Ben Simmons thing, it, it's so hard not to talk about Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and, and you're talking about him maybe setting the screen, rolling to the basket. There were a few games this year where he was phenomenal at that, rolling to the basket, being on the move, getting a bounce pass, or whatever the case may be. I like Ben at the point guard. I think, you know, there's this conversation. He's not a point guard. He's not this. He's not that. He's a guy who his best skill set is facilitating. I don't know how else you could possibly facilitate when you take the ball out of your hands so many times. So I think Ben does need to play point guard. But I think there is something to be said about the way that he sets screens and rolls to the basket as well. So if you have someone who does both so well, how do you think that they should approach this? It's nothing wrong with him being the point guard and still setting the pick. I imagine a set where, all right, what's that lineup that we always say? Who will you say are the best three shooters on Philly? Ooh, the best three shooters. Three-point um, shooters. Three-point uh, shooters. Uh, for, uh, Furkan Korkmaz is the okay. the best. <laughs> oh, okay. ew, I can't believe that just came out of my mouth. <laughs> hey, man. Um, hey, call it what it is. Yeah, I mean, Tobias Harris and... Uh, well, I'm just I'm looking through the list. I mean, like I don't know what Alec Burks's percentage is. Could it be Alec Burks? It, it possibly could be. So let's say Jake those Milton three. is also in the mix as well. Okay, okay. So Josh let's say Richardson. you got. I mean, Josh there's a Richardson. couple guys. So they, they can all they can all make one. Yes. But let's say you have a set where you know Ben Simmons is bringing up the floor, half court set where you put a Shake Milton in the corner. You know what I mean? You got Joel out there on the wing or whatever, and then that towards the top of the key, but a little bit further over, you got Furkan. Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris on one side of the floor. Now, obviously, Ben Simmons has his other choices if, if they set a screen on the weak side. But then Ben Simmons comes down, chucks it right to Tobias Harris, comes off a screen. That's his time to roll. That's his time to roll. He's still the point guard, technically. But that's when you have Tobias either coming off and hitting his uh, his little quick mid-range shot, which nobody talks about. That he like He's probably the best on the team of just his pull-up jumper. Or he's coming off because they sagged off, he's hitting his three, or he's getting all the way to the basket. Or he's throwing a lob to, to uh, Ben Simmons. But there's a million options where he's still the point guard, and every now and then he just mixes it up by throwing in a screen and roll. The problem is you can't have him standing in the dunker spot. I think that's pretty much no. the, the thing that yeah. he can't do, and, and that's the problem. So you got to find other ways to utilize him when he doesn't have the ball in his hands that's not yeah. standing in the dunker spot because – it does nothing, and the spacing exactly. is completely whack when he does it. But you also can't take Ben Simmons off the floor either. I mean, he's that important. So it's it, it, this is 
uh, one hell of an interesting puzzle. And I guess the mm-hmm. problem is we don't know if the puzzle is missing a piece or not yet. Right? I mean, imagine yeah. putting together a 500-piece puzzle and there's two pieces missing. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my exactly. God, what the hell do I do? We don't know yet. We don't know. Exactly. We don't know what's going on. Exactly. I just I, I have his I have so much faith in his ability to pass out of the post. Like, let's say he does get in the pick and roll on the weak side. Tobias catches it. And then they're like scrambling. Like, I have faith that Ben Simmons is going to find the open shooter. You know what I mean? Like a pick and roll doesn't necessarily mean that something has to happen right then. A pick and roll doesn't have to mean that the guy who set that first pick has to keep setting them. But I would love to see Philly just just a little bit more, man, just just a little bit more pick and roll, because I feel like that changes the game. But like you said, I think part of that is the fact that if Ben Simmons getting a pick set for him, he really only has one option. Get downhill, because if they sag off of him and go under it, he's not pulling up or Joe and beats clogging up the lane. You know what I mean? But. I, I think all of those things, I think those schemes getting figured out by the Sixers make Tobias that much more effective. Yeah, no doubt. And and the one thing that does get me a little irritated with Ben is you mentioned him being in the post. Sometimes he's in the post and he does that that turnaround. It's not even a hook shot. It's almost like a, it's like like a, a floater. Yeah, yeah kind of. And I just like you take that shot, which you practice. And you know what? Sometimes it looks good and it's in rhythm and, and fine. I, I'll live with them. I'm not saying I won't live with them. But then there's times where you are literally left so wide open from the free throw line, and it's like, dude, shoot the ball. Shoot the ball. <laughs> That's crazy, dude. It's crazy. I want to talk about Matisse Thibel, though, because we, we, okay. did, we did touch on Matisse and the dog thing. You know, he hit a wall at the the breaking, the stopping point of the season. And he wasn't what he once was. And it makes a lot of sense. You go from Washington where you play, what, what is the full college season? Is it around 30 games or so? If you make it, if you make it all the way to the end, the last game is the 40th. Okay. So exactly. most players, most players get around 30. Okay. Now you're playing 82 against grown men and the, the, the length of the schedule is different and you're playing consistently. It's, it's a totally different vibe going to the West coast and hitting all these swings. So, I get hitting a rookie wall. I'm not knocking him for doing it. A ton of people do it, but it happened. And I just wonder if, you know, now that he had a couple months off, will he be refreshed and ready to go and make more of an impact? Now, I guess the question is, how many minutes do you see for Matisse Thibel when things kick back off? Do you think he touches 20? I mean, look, there's a lot of people that you got to fill in. Furcon, Glenn Robinson III, Alec Burks. Shake Milton, uh, there's a lot of players that have to sneak into these these minutes. I think what happened with uh, Matisse Thibel is exactly how you described it. It's, well, it's two parts. It's exactly how you described it in the sense of you're a college kid, now you're getting adjusted. But the other thing is he moved up on a lot of people's scouting reports. Now you know what he's going to do. You know what he's going to get, like what you're going to get out of him. At first it was like, ah, oh, that's just a rookie. He's kind of making some noise. He has a couple steals. And then when the season ended in March, Let's say around, you know, January, February, guys start looking like, all right, hold up. We got to watch out for him with this. We got to watch out for him with that. And that's why he hit that wall. But to be completely honest, I think for that reason is why he doesn't play a whole lot in these playoffs. It's it's if you're going to throw him out there to the Wolves in the playoffs to get more experience and have him that much more ready for next year. Hell yeah. But because he hit that wall right before things stopped, it's like I don't think it's necessarily to go with somebody who's a bit of a wild card. And at the end of the day, still a rookie. 
I think this is the time for Furcon. This is the time for Mike Scott because you know that they know what the playoffs is, which is an entirely different game. Like he was struggling with that midseason feel when a lot of teams start to realize that, oh shit, you know what I mean? Like if we don't do, if we don't win this game or that game, we're gonna miss the playoffs. He was struggling with that time. So if you throw him out there, understand that it's gonna be a bit of a some growth pains. But like I said, unless you're trying to get him ready for next year, the playoffs isn't the time to experiment. I think he's going to get some time, though. I mean, he made too much oh, of an hell impact. Oh, yeah. yeah. he made hell too much yeah. I'm just impact. saying not 20 minutes. Oh, right. Yeah, 20 minutes yeah. might be a little strong. See, the thing is, and and once again, this was when he was hitting his wall, though. Sometimes the spurts of of Matisse Thibel was great. If, if you saw him for six minutes, he got a steal in those six minutes, and he was disruptive, then he goes to the bench. And then maybe he yeah. pops back in for five minutes, he gets a deflection, it goes out of bounds, but that's it. And then he goes back to the bench. Like, in short spurts, you get a little how-do-you-do out of him. But you mentioned something that's interesting, you know, experimenting and whatnot in the playoffs. I, I would sense that Brett Brown knows where he is, and I would think that he understands this is a postseason where he's got to perform. He's got to win. He's got to make it far. And and will he put a rookie out there if he is questioning his job? I mean, Alec Burks is more of a veteran that can play that spot, and he can shoot the ball as well. Furkan, look. I'm not a Furcon guy. He's going to get absolutely destroyed in the half-court set. It's just reality. It's no knock on him. It's just the fact that that's his, his body. He's not going to be able to move quick enough. There's people who are way more athletic, and when the game slows down, it's different. But he's going to get an opportunity because he can shoot the ball from three, and if he if he has one of those games where he's shooting five for five from three, you keep him in. But if he misses the first three three-pointers he takes and he allows six points defensively, I'm pretty sure Brett will understand that it's a quick quick trigger for him but um yeah yeah I mean it's just I don't know which way Brett Brown is going to go when it comes to this bench there are so many players that you gotta put in there and and look we're expecting Shake Milton to just step in and be this player we don't know what he's going to be is Howell Neto out of the lineup completely is he going to be a DNP or is he someone that he can rely on to give you hear me out look Shake Milton has played a handful of of games literally a Mm -hmm. handful Howell Neto has been in this league. I don't think Howell Neto is good at all. I think he stinks, to be honest with you. But here's Brett Brown in a playoff game who might need five minutes of backup point guard. Is it possible where you have a veteran point guard who, what is he? He is your traditional standard point guard who will make the standard traditional point guard play. Is he someone who's in the mix for five minutes, if need be, that you can trust with the ball in his hands? Yes, but I don't think that's necessarily... Jake so Milton funny. has literally played like like six games this year during that back stretch. It was a handful of games. I'm going to look it up exactly. He has, but I just think it's something so funny about constantly changing the lineup and constantly throwing it. At the end of the day, when you're out there, I'm pretty sure you know this when you're out there on the ice. And those other four guys on the court, you know what you're going to get out of them. You know, because y'all have played together and practiced. This has been the lineup that has been, you know, together. You guys have constantly played. You guys have constantly had y'all sets down. You kind of get to a point where y'all know what y'all going to do before y'all even do it. When you start adding in or taking out too many different players for short spurts of times like that, unless y'all have that figured out as a team, which the Sixers obviously don't, 
that it just messes things up. You know what I mean? It's just I'm not saying that I'm against any of them. It's just I hope that it's not like, oh, this guy only gets five minutes here. That guy gets 10 minutes there. And next thing you know, the lineup is so wonky and kind of almost it's almost no uh, fluidity to the, you know, the lineup. It's almost too strategic. It's like a. I'm trying to think like they're, they're performing like they're performing surgery. Like, oh, we're going to use this at that time and that at that time. Like, nah, man, just let it kind of flow. Let the game go out there. And I think that's the beauty of a Matisse and a Shake uh, Shake Milton is at the end of the day, those are young guys that if you throw them out there and they don't produce, you snatch them. Now you have the older guys like the Mike Scotts, you know, the that they, you go and put in there and they understand what you're going to get out of them. But you don't have to depend on Shake Milton right now. You don't have to depend on Matisse style right now. Do I think they're intricate parts of this uh franchise's future hell yeah but they don't have to be the guys right now and i'm that's what i'm saying right now ain't the time to be gambling because like you said for i think i'm not gonna say everything's on the line for brett brown but i'd be bullshitting you if i felt like this wasn't if it doesn't have if something doesn't happen now it's gonna be kind of hard to defend them oh yeah no doubt the, the, something definitely does have to happen and so shake milton started 16 games not six games 16 games but still I mean you're talking about someone we're literally discussing starting in an NBA playoff game and I think that uh you know that that's just something I don't know if you can rely on but during that time he had the game against the Clippers and other than that he was a he was just a a a nice player it's not as if he took over all these games so the hype is a little high I'm just questioning you know is Neto out out of the lineup? I don't want him to be playing that many minutes. I want to be clear. I'm just I'm looking at the bench. I'm looking at how Brett Brown has utilized his rotation since he's been here. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it is out of the question that if he needs five minutes, but you could argue maybe Josh Richardson becomes the primary ball handler in those moments, and maybe you can live with that instead. And you know, Josh Richardson is such an interesting piece. Um, I was about to say he. We probably talk about him the least. I, I do. Now, he is a bona fide star. You know what I mean. I will say this: with where we are at time, maybe that's for next episode because we still have some players to get mm-hmm. into, and we'll leave mm-hmm. the fans with a little tease. How about that? A little tease. You gotta like wait. That. You gotta wait like to that. hear about Josh Richardson. <laughs> you gotta wait like to hear that. about a couple other teammates. All right. I like that. That's how we're gonna do it. So, how about that? Another episode. That was fun. That was good. Yeah. I thought that was a good one. Just bang, 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 bang. Just getting thrown <laughs> with all these bang, bang, hoops. We don't stop. That's the beauty of thing. We we don't stop. There's no Ever. sports on. There hasn't I'm been the- <laughs> one damn basketball game since we started. Guess what? We're hitting each other up every night. Yo, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> what do I want to talk about? I just send the basketball emojis. I'll just send a, you know, a gif of me out in the driveway throwing down a tomahawk slam. And then when it zooms out, you realize it was like a Fisher Price net. It wasn't even a 10-footer, right? It's like a plastic net. What are you going to do? I can't dunk, dude. I can't touch the rim. Yo, I would cry. I can't I would, touch you the rim. With us. I could barely even touch the net. Isn't that bad? You serious? I don't know. Probably I could. I'm just... I, was about to say, I, f- I feel like you got some hops to you. Nah. Nah. Don't let it fool you, dude. I got – I look, I'm, I'm athletic, but I don't know if I'm basketball athletic. You know I'm what I mean? See this. I, well, I mean, see when this. we're talking about like dunking the ball, no, I'm not going to be able to run down a lane and just windmill that shit and fucking or, <laughs> you know, look. I'm picking up from the free throw line with the ball <laughs> in one hand. Oh, I can't. I can't palm a ball. What do you think this is? I'm five eleven and three quarters. And what do you want me to do? We're gonna have to see this. Well, look, I'm, I, I will. I will make every. 
person earn it. I mean, we've been through it. I, no matter what, you'll earn it, and you'll know I'm there, but I might not win, but I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? It's pride. It's yeah. pride. Stop. I'll wear that headband, too. I want Jay Wright right in my corner yeah. so he can see me <laughs> on the court. You know what? Let me, let, me, let me get this straight. If there was a guy who was dropping 42 points a game in AAU and Jay Wright's there with a little stat sheet with the highlighter or crossing off names or whatever they do, and this guy has a ninja headband on, I, is he just right off? Nope. Nah. No, 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 because the headband can come off. <laughs> the fact that the headband has to come off, I'm disgusted. We gotta, I'm telling I, you, we gotta work on having him on the show. When's the last time you've seen a Nova basketball player with a headband? But if you're dropping 45 points, 46 points, you're telling me you won't sacrifice the headband? When's the last time you've seen a college basketball player dropping 46 points? Well, next year when I commit <laughs> to Nova, I still got about four years of eligibility. <laughs> Well, actually, since I played two years of NCAA college hockey, I, I guess I I only have two years left. Oh, man, I only got call. two years to win the national championship. I might have to make a phone call. Yeah, dude. That's another thing, too. Well, real quick, I'm going to just say this. Yeah. We obviously, we still got to talk about this Sadiq thing. Another thing that has to, you know, we're going to say that for the next episode. Yes. Sadiq Bay, the Sixers are lining him up. We talk about guys shooting. We talk about defensive guys. But... I'm still putting my money on it right now, and I say it on air. I still think another championship is coming through Lancaster Ave. Ooh. You, do you like this uh, new recruiting class they got coming in? Do you know some deets that you're not spilling? There is no recruiting class. Uh, oh, oh, They got one transfer oh. named Caleb Daniels, and he's stepping up. He's eligible to play now. But everybody else is just moving up. There is no recruiting class. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Is that yeah. common? Huh? Is that common? No, 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 no. But they have so many guys who are sophomore. You know, it's like last year they didn't have any seniors on the floor. Any right. se- the only senior was only one senior to walk on. The juniors were the leaders. You know what I mean? And this year it's still sophomore heavy, sophomore and junior heavy. That's I'm how he does it, huh? He just he brings in those those freshmen and then they work their way up. So then by their junior year, they're disgusting, and then they all stay there. And then their senior year, they're even more disgusting. They win the national championship, they rip off the headbands, and they repeat. <laughs> Ridiculous. What a genius mindset. Why doesn't everybody else do that? All right, we're ending this damn show. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Process. And we will see you next time.